Welcome back to the Warehouse Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jesse. And I'm Eli. And we are back for another lovely episode of our Orioles-centric podcast because the Orioles are kind of good now, question mark? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty hyped about this team right now, I gotta say. Yeah, I mean, this is like the most watchable the Orioles have been since 2017, maybe 2016. Maybe they were more, more watchable than 2017. I don't know. Right. Yeah. And, and the game that we played against uh, the Rangers when we won nine to eight in extra innings, I mean, that was just amazing. So obviously <laughs> we obviously there were a lot of problems in that game, but it was such an amazing game. Right. Like the Orioles still gave up eight runs. Right. The bullpen gave up some key home runs, et cetera, et cetera. But the fact that we won and it was such an amazing game and how it happened. And that was really cool. So. Yeah, no, you were, we were able to kind of see like the light at the end of the tunnel. Now it's, it's within reach and it's pretty awesome. And everybody on the roster is contributing and it's a lot of fun. Um, But yeah, I mean, before we get into that guys, how are you doing? We haven't talked in a bit. Um, How are things? Eli. Things are good with me. Um, I've got one roommate moving out, and I do enjoy him, but uh, it, it's a little crowded in here, so we're going to get a little bit more space. Nice. Um, I'm going to get a nice little rowing machine, you know, like those mechanical rowing machines, mm-hmm. and so I'll have a way to work out at home, and we're going to put a nice little office in. I'm thinking about a back patio, and I'm kind of, wow. I've engaged the, like, homeowner project mindset. Yes. Um, so we'll see how, you know, we'll see where that takes me. And, uh, I think it'll be fun. I think this is becoming an important like segment on the show. I think last episode or maybe a recent episode, we talked about your lawn. Yeah. we did. Correct. Yeah. That's and now, and now we're talking about a patio and an office and a rowing machine. I think I, you, I try hard to not talk about work because <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> work takes up enough of my time. And so that's Absolutely. really all I got going on outside of it besides Netflix. Okay. That's cool. Jesse, you wanted to. I mean, I, I'm glad that I'm not at all thinking about the conversations that Eli is mentioning <laughs> oh God. for myself, you know, like I'm mm-hmm. definitely glad I, I'm not. Yeah, that doesn't interest me personally, but not that I wouldn't hear you talk about it, but that well, I, I don't I, think about it for myself. So, yeah, but I know, Tyler, you've been doing this for a while. Like this has well, been kind of on your mind for a while. A little bit, but I, I mean, I challenge yeah. you. I think that anybody would enjoy a nice little back patio. Um, they can go <laughs> and relax in an Adirondack chair with some, I don't know, like an Ikea piece of like side table furniture that you built with your own hands that then, could, could crumble at any moment because who knows? You do but, have to remember Eli lives in Florida. So yeah, I wonder how much this patio is, is you know, actually going to... Uh, I would find think, itself useful i, I don't know more. i would think more useful there than most oh really Admittedly, it's so excruciatingly hot and right. humid it's really hot but in the that evenings it could be nice mm. okay. it, it would be an evenings only thing you definitely cannot like go fire up the barbecue at one o'clock in the afternoon it'll yeah, yeah that's yeah. not feasible but okay yeah i've only been to florida a handful of times um and yeah definitely not my type of heat but hey no if I had a patio, a shaded patio, maybe I could get down with that. But yeah, we'll find next next week. We'll learn more about the patio. Um, so just tune in for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Eli, you got to start tweeting about it. You know. <laughs> yeah, we'll start a handle for the patio, yeah. Orioles yeah. patio, <laughs> the warehouse patio. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. Cool. Well, that's good. I'm glad things are yeah. good with you guys. Um, yeah. things are good with the Orioles too. That's called a segue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we haven't recorded in a bit, but the Orioles finished up June. They went 14 and 12 in the month, which was their first winning month, uh, it, since 2017, because we don't, I think they had like a winning April or, or a March somewhere in there where they like went two and one or whatever. We don't count that. It was their first uh, full month with a winning record since then. And since the start of May, the Orioles are 32 and 30, which is, uh, impressive. Two games over 500 you just got to knock out an ugly month of, of April. That's pretty awesome. Um, so, I mean, I, I kind of just talked about it a little bit where I said, we're starting to see kind of the pieces come together, the light at the end of the tunnel, et cetera. Um, 
do we feel like what we're seeing is real? Have the Orioles truly turned a corner, Eli, or is this a little bit of smoke and mirrors at work? No, I definitely think they have. I, I think that, you know, this is something we've talked about on the past or on the podcast in the past, but we, um, the Orioles are definitely at a disadvantage because of the strength of their division and having to see these behemoths all the time. Um, and, and so I do think that the talent this team has, has not been reflected in their record for the last year or two. Um, it, so, you know, like we're, we had the worst record in baseball last year, but do I think that we were the worst team? I don't think we were even close to the worst team, like probably still bottom five, but I think, uh, you know, the pirates and the Diamondbacks are playing significantly worse competition and competing with us for that worst record. So <laughs> I think it's pretty inarguable. Um, but here we are now and we're still playing that good competition. We're playing almost 500 ball across the year. Uh, Tyler pointed out that, you know, if those two Minnesota Jorge Lopez games go the other way, you know, then we're just about two games below 500 on the overall record across the year. So we definitely, um, you know, we, we have something here and there's only more good things happening in the minors. Uh, obviously everyone saw the Gunnar Henderson news MLB pipelines now calling him the number five prospect in baseball. Jordan Westberg's tearing it up. DL Hall is starting to look good. And I, I think that the good news is only starting for the Orioles. Yeah. And we're going to touch on like each of those players. Cause I think that's an important topic we're going to get into that. I wonder if Mike Elias, not, I, you know, I wonder if Mike Elias wished the Orioles were maybe a little less interesting right now than they are, because it's, <laughs> kind of going to start to force that issue to talk about some of these young guys in a different way. But Jesse, I'll kind of pose the same question to you that I did to Eli is like, how good do you think the Orioles are right now? And is this, is this real? No, I mean, I definitely uh, agree with Eli. I think the Orioles, this is a different team right now than we had last year. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely a different team. Um, I think a little bit of the record I could, you know, the the record over 500 or about 500 i think if we were to start the season over and like pick up right where we left off i think the orioles would probably get close to 500 across the whole season um i i do wonder a little bit the the starting pitching is still a bit of a concern it's a large concern in my mind and you know we've been having some guys perform really well recently spencer watkins um, you know, is really overperforming from what you would expect from him. <laughs> so I think we, you know, I think this is a confident bunch right now. Overall, I think they're really excited. I think they're playing with a lot of energy. Um, you know, a lot has been made about the Orioles being a really resilient team this year, which based on just watching their games, uh, definitely appears to be true. So I think it's a, it's a young energetic, uh, team or it's a I mean it, it at least has a lot of young talent um within it um and it's an energetic team and I think they're uh they're playing really well right now um but I do think we might be overperforming just a bit overall but I I definitely do want to reaffirm that the Orioles are definitely in a much better place than they were last year the year before etc and that it is only going to get better, I think, from this point moving forward, barring some, you know, catastrophic injuries or something like that, right? We lose Adley Rutschman or, um, you know, Mel Castle goes down for the season or something. But overall, I mean, I definitely think, like, the Orioles are in a much better place, and I think they're going to get better. Yeah, I think the injury thing is an interesting point because, yeah, offensively, the Orioles have been very lucky uh, with injuries. But on the pitching side, they've had, like, everything happen to them, it feels right. like. Losing John Means right away was a disaster. Uh, uh, they had the, Chris Ellis went down. Um, Dean Kramer missed some time. Like, that's kind of a lot to happen to a pitching staff, and for them to still be kind of chugging along is impressive and encouraging. And also, like you said, they're probably playing a little bit above their head right now. But um, if you just look at, like, some other, like, some other metrics – uh, just like run differential, what their record should be based on run differential. It should be 39 and 44 as we record. And their actual record is 39 and 44. They've gone 13 and 15 in one run game. So we're not seeing like that 2012 magic where they were winning like 
80% of one run games or whatever it was. Um, and like they had a really bad April, but again, since May 1st, they're a two game above 500 kind of a team. And I think like every day we go where that is the case is more evidence to suggest to me that this is kind of what the team is. They are sort of that mediocre overall sort of a team because they have, I think a, they have a good like core five in that lineup probably. Mullins, Hayes, Mancini, Mountcastle, Rutschman. Then it gets a little bit mushy after that. So that's not really quite a playoff team. The pitching staff has some bright spots, but who knows? And then the bullpen's been really good up until this last week or so, but will that sustain? So I think all of those things in my brain, that just feels like like a 500-ish team. Um, So I totally buy what the Orioles are doing, and I think this is probably happening a season sooner than I expected it to. I think I expected this kind of a season – next year with the Henderson up and Westberg up and it was going to be like a 500 team. And then 2024 was going to be the let's go for 95 wins in a playoff spot. Um, so that's really exciting. And I think that makes next year a little bit more likely to be like that. Let's go for it kind of a year, um, which is really exciting, but I don't, I don't know. Is that maybe jumping the gun a little bit? Do you think 2023 can kind of be like that sort of a, a team now, Eli? I, I think the next year the Orioles shoot for 500. I don't think they necessarily shoot for a playoff team. Um, but I, yeah, I think, you know, going 500 is a reasonable expectation. And I think that, I don't know, you know, with the expanded playoffs, 500 gets you closer to the playoffs than it used to. So And, and the um, division, uh, well, not, not the divisions are changing, but the strength of schedule and the distribution right. of the schedule is going to change. So that could add another win or two, I think. But. Right. Absolutely. I think the, um, yeah, I think we're only supposed to play, what is it? 12 games against each team. I think we play four series or something like that. Okay. That sounds reasonable. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so it definitely, definitely should help the Orioles uh, maybe more so than any team in the bigs. And it, yeah, I think things are coming together to start making a run here in probably two years. Okay. Um, so Jesse, do you have any expectations for the Orioles in the second half? Can they be, can they get to 500 on the season or maybe just have like a 500 second half of the year? Or do you have any expectation there? Um, I wouldn't say an expectation, but I mean, the Orioles um, are, I think uh, right now we're just five below 500. Right. So, yep. I mean, yeah, just string another couple months like June together and you're basically right there. So I w- if the Orioles make 500, I mean, I, I am surprised the Orioles are in this position at this point, it seems like the Orioles really turn things around really fast. Um, and, you know, kind of that is the reason why I think a little bit of it is smoke and mirrors. Right. But mm-hmm. um, but overall, I mean, I definitely I if the Orioles ended this season at 500, um, I, I wouldn't be terribly shocked at this point, um, even though if I if I. I don't bet, but you know, if I were to, if I were to predict one way or the other, I would think the Orioles would not end the season 500 this year. Okay. Yeah. The, the thing in my mind is that, you know, this year we're going to lose at least one of Mancini or Santander. Right. And as Tyler was saying, you know, we don't have the depth through our lineup that some really, really good teams like the Dodgers do and such. So you, not to compare us to them, but, um, I, you know, I think that we are going to take a little bit of a step backward at the trade deadline and sort of, I don't know how the Mariners said it a couple of years ago, they were reimagining the roster was the word they used. I think it's going to be like that, you know, Santander and Mancini will probably go, but then Westberg, Henderson, et cetera, over the course of the next year do start to come up and, that's why I say the next year, I don't think record wise will be a huge step forward. I think we could get 500, but we're going to have the influx of the rest of what will be our next core of mm-hmm. position players coming up. And I think that's, uh, yeah. I, and I expect good things out of them, but there's inherently going to be some struggles with rookies. So I think we'll pretty much stay par from this year to next. Okay. Yeah. It'll be interesting that the, the off season and, you know, what, what happens at the trade deadline? And we're going to talk about this in our, in our next episode uh, about the trade deadline. That'll be kind of our special on that. Um, I think the Orioles could get creative there, but um, I'll reserve my thoughts until that episode. Um, one point on the, the Dodgers mention, um, 
the Dodgers have Hanser Alberto in the lineup like every other day. The Orioles <laughs> keep him not good enough for our lineup. So, well, I don't know. He wasn't well, they didn't worth $3 million. Dollars. That was <laughs> yeah. the difference. <laughs> That's fair. That is fair. Yeah. Um, uh, it's uh, it's really good to see him. He just hit a home run the other day, yeah. and I was like, oh, man. I'm glad he's yeah, winning. Yeah, it's interesting. He's not having a very good year, but they're just kind of keeping him around. So, good for you, Bonzer. I think he just had a kid, too. So, oh, that's awesome. Nice. Yeah. All right. Let's talk Orioles rotation because we kind of all part, we kind of mentioned that individually there, but um, the stats on the Orioles rotation coming into today, as we record on the 7th of July, um, the Orioles currently as a, the starters have an ERA. I had it here and now I've lost it. They have an ERA. (laughs) I will edit. No, they have an ERA of 4.66, which is the eighth worst ERA in Major League Baseball, just to kind of do a rundown of the current rotation. Dean Kramer had gone three straight starts without allowing a run, has a 2.48 ERA on the season, although he did kind of collapse in his most recent start. Uh, Spencer Watkins is like kind of good now, although again, as Jesse said, it's sort of a little bit, I don't know what to believe and what not to believe. Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, and maybe we can talk about what we're seeing there. I, I don't know. Um, Jordan Lyles is Jordan Lylesing, like in a good way. I think he's doing kind of what we would want him to do. Um, and then Tyler Wells has been fantastic, but I'm starting to get worried about innings for t- Tyler Wells. And Brandon Hyde even said as much. Um, and then we've got the fifth starter spot, which is currently Austin Voth, but I don't know. That doesn't feel great. <laughs> um, and we've got DL Hall kind of just all of a sudden dominating again in AAA after going through apparently some stuff where he thought he was uh, tipping his pitches. Um, so I don't know. It doesn't feel like an elite staff to me. Uh, some days it looks better than others. Eli, you're the pitching guy around here. I, can you make sense of what's going on there? I'm just laughing because I think that Spencer Watkins is kind of the microcosm. It's like, yeah. just because, you know, he, he does nothing exemplary. Like he can spin it a bit, but you go check out his baseball savant page and there's a lot of deep, deep blue on it. Mm-hmm. And that's really not what you want to see, but he's been wildly effective. Um, as resident pitching guy, I still have no idea <laughs> what has been making him effective um, that, you know, I, yeah, it, it's really, really interesting. Um, he definitely has been good though. I mean, he's just staying out of the middle of the plate. Yeah. He's just kind of flipping it in there and uh, avoiding, you know, too much hard contact. So kudos to him. Uh, Kramer has legitimately been good. I am a believer in him again. Um, last year was really I mean, entirely lost, you know, he didn't even look good in the minors last year. And I thought that he was a failed prospect, but now I'm starting to think we won the Manny Machado trade. So (laughs) uh, he looks great. Lyles, as you said, he's just been kind of doing his thing, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like seven innings and four runs. And that's all you can ask for him. That's what you signed him to do. And I think he's absolutely like a good pickup, a good signing. Uh, We've talked about how effective the bullpen's been. We've also talked about them just struggling over the last week, and that could be due to usage. So those high-volume arms definitely are valuable. Um, And Tyler Wells is interesting to me. Tyler Wells doesn't strike people out. Um, And that is a little bit concerning to me. Like, I I am worried that there will be a time where it just kind of catches up to him. yeah, I, you know, he was such a dominant reliever and really did have good K numbers. Um, so it's just he, interesting. He struck out seven, I think, this most recent outing. But before that, it was like, yeah, he'd go like six innings and strike out three guys. And it's right. like, that's, exactly. a little, that's a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I am curious. I, I mean, obviously, the experiment is working right now. Um, and he's doing such a great job, like staying off the barrel that every start he's been effective. Um, I don't think he's even given up two runs in like four starts or something like that. So um, yeah, all in all, you know, like I I think our rotation is in a stable where like all the ice is holding 
but it's not very thin and you just don't understand why it's holding. You don't mm. understand how we've got this much weight on it, but we're here and it's fine right now. So, yeah. And I will say about Watkins real quick, just from like looking at his Savant page, it looks like he's got a slider this year that he didn't have last year. And it's basically like a fifth of his total pitches is this slider now. Now I, and it looks good. Like the batting average against it is just 162. And he's also throwing a little harder this year. His fastball velocity is up about a mile per hour. So maybe it's that simple, a new pitch and throwing harder. Like analytics, baby. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I think it's like, um, you know, he's got his, his normal fastball is a bit of a cutter. Like he throws Mm -hmm. it at like 92 or so, but gets a good like three, four inches of movement on it. And then, yeah, he has had that slightly more distinct slider. So maybe. Yeah. Um, Jesse, when I was talking, you were shaking your head like, yes, when I said Tyler Wells with the inning count, you were like worried about that. Oh, absolutely. Do you want to like expand on that or anything with the rotation? But yeah, um, well, definitely. I mean, Tyler. So one, when he pitches a lot of times, like he looks like he's laboring a lot out there. Right. So, I mean, to me, he just kind of seems like, I don't know. He seems like a, 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 more of a bullpen piece to me even though he's been able to pitch five or six effective innings for the most part um right he does have the pitch mix that would allow for him to be a starter um but yeah I mean I'm definitely worried about the innings count just because right he was a bullpen piece last year and he's like converting to being you know this is you know him being a starter this year and that's a that takes a big toll when you're starting from, you know, and pitching it, you know, over the course of 162 games as a starting pitcher, I think that makes a big difference. Right. He was coming off Tommy John. He was coming off Tommy John the year before too. Right. Yeah. So um, I I definitely am worried about uh, him long-term and it's kind of weird. The Orioles are in this position because it seems like the Orioles should have, you know, expected this and seen this coming a little bit more. And it'll be interesting to see how the Orioles react and what exactly they do, um, you know, with this kind of, you know, you have a starter right now who you're kind of relying on, but at any minute he might fizzle out, his arm might just kind of die mid-year and, well, what's the plan at that point, right? Um, So it'll be interesting to see how the Orioles handle that. Um, Tyler Wells definitely is... uh, yeah he's been he's been really good right like Eli said like he hasn't been striking people out but of course his starts have been effective um but if he did this the rest of the year I'd be shocked right like I think he's approaching his limit um and then just yeah on on the rest of the rotation I mean yeah there of course I think just generally like I share the same concerns um that you both do um not with jordan lyles of course is is fine um you know but uh spencer watkins and austin both um you know both of those are are the concerns and (laughs) if you you know if you don't have either of them pitching well right like we're we're relying kind of the rotation is holding itself together based upon people having you know above average performances basically right so um if they even kind of regress to uh what's normal for them right you know the rotation could be in a lot of trouble um i you know i don't expect austin both to be the fifth starter for the rest of the year right i think we're gonna rotate through that spot um but yeah right uh yes it's coming it's yeah yeah oh it is it is um so yeah we're gonna be rotating through that spot but um yeah i mean even you know and yeah so there's just a lot with the rotation that is going really well right now that i can't imagine continues on this same path forward so yeah yeah, no, it's certainly fair. Uh, Wells, I was looking at his innings. He's thrown 75 and two-thirds innings, I believe, this year. Um, I, I couldn't find the quote while we were recording, but I think um, they asked Brandon Hyde, like, would you expect Tyler Wells to throw 150 innings this year? And he was like, probably not. 
Um, and we're basically, we're halfway through and he's halfway to 150 innings, which tells me you're either going to have to start skipping him or you're going to have to shut him down at, at like September 1st or something and just piece things together. So that's a bit of a bummer, but it's also, you know, we're, they're not ready to make that push for the playoffs anyway. So maybe that's okay. And you can piece things together with I'm at Harvey or an Austin both or whatever you want to do down the stretch. And it's not the end of the world. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that it, I'm sure the plan was for Grayson Rodriguez to be here by now. So the fact that he can't Absolutely. be is a bummer. Um, cause we wouldn't have this issue. We might not have Spencer Watkins. You probably would have hoped Kyle Bradish was pitching better and healthy. That hasn't been the case. He's apparently coming back maybe next week or something. I think he's pitching in a simulated game. So like, hopefully that goes better. And then I think the last big elephant in the room is, is DL Hall. I mean, is he ready? I, I don't know. Is he a starter long-term? I don't know. I mean, he just struck out 14 guys in AAA, only walked two, went six innings. Like, Maybe you want to see him do something similar to that a couple more times. But in general, I think we're kind of getting to the point where he's doing all he can in the minors. You kind of just got to see what he can do. Um, and I don't know. The Orioles have to just kind of pick their spot in terms of when they want that to happen. I, I'm fine with him staying down a bit longer, but I know Orioles Twitter is clamoring for him to be in Baltimore as soon as possible. I don't know if you guys have an opinion there, um, but yeah, I would just say I would be fine with him staying down a little bit longer, but I think we're kind of just getting to the point where it probably does need to happen. I'm also okay with a little bit longer. I, I do think I'm like a little bit more patient than most, but I, I think that if he's down there in a month, we have a problem mm-hmm. because, you know, striking out 14 dudes is just about all you can prove. You know? So right. it, it's just a matter of like doing it another time or two to build up some confidence, make sure he's really found that groove and then yeah, get him up here. Yeah, I think that the pitch tipping thing was uh, was weird. I'm glad he got that sorted out. But yeah, just prove you're healthy. He's going to be on an innings limit too because he right. only pitched like 30-some. So it's not like they're going to bring him up here and have him throw seven innings every time out. It's probably going to be four to five innings in and out and, you know, maybe hand – hand uh, what am I saying? What am I trying to say? A handcuff him to a bullpen piece to go like three innings after that. Um, it, it might be really nice to pair him with somebody like both. I mean, yeah. two totally different arm angles and each of them throw three or four innings and lefty righty. Exactly. Yeah. I, I wouldn't hate that at all. Both has been, you guys both talk bad about him, but he's actually been pretty surprisingly good. Uh, yeah. Hyde left him in just a little too long in the day, but yeah, you're fully right. agreed. Fully you're agreed. Right. I, I, I think he's definitely still stretching out. Yeah. Um, but I was going to also say Tyler Wells is the other alternative if, the option is to start limiting his innings that way. Yeah, but if you want to keep him as a starter, like just have him go through those. Mo- and if it, I, you got to bring Hall up as a starter. And if it doesn't work, then you can do the bullpen thing. But you got to try him as a starter first. For me, I I like the idea of skipping starts with Tyler Wells. I mean, you keep him on the same you know routine. You like on those days that you're skipping him, you have him throw 50 pitches in the bullpen, just like pretty lightly. And you can make it work in the rotation without him. You just send him down. I mean, he's got options. So, yeah. Or just, yeah, there's off days. Um, he, he could be a guy you see like misses like 10 days with the all star break or something. I could see him like not pitching for two weeks or right. something. Right. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that, that, you know, it's the rotation is solid, unexpectedly solid, but uh, definitely worried about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sticking on the pitching uh, end of things, talk about the bullpen. The bullpen has been so good this year. Uh, Jorge Lopez has been one of the best closers in baseball. Felix Bautista has been a breakout star with some of the best stuff in any bullpen in the in baseball. CNL Perez has been solid. Keegan Aiken, like name the names go on and on. I think the Orioles have like a top five bullpen by pretty much every metric. They've hit some stumbling blocks this past week. And that was pretty much precipitated by Jorge Lopez just having a rough, a rough run of things. He blew three straight saves. The bullpen in general had kind of a rough run through the Minnesota series. And then even into the Texas series, even though the Orioles got the sweep, they had that, uh, that night that J- uh, Jesse was talking about where they gave up a, a, a go ahead or a tying home run in three straight innings. <laughs> um, it's just been a little bit rough, but we were recording on the seventh on the sixth Lopez came back in, got the save. Things seem okay right now, but how are we feeling 
about the bullpen, Jesse? Are you feeling like the the end is near or this is just kind of what happens to a major league bullpen? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really worried at all. Um, the, the only reason that I would worry about the bullpen long term is if they start getting overexposed, right? I mean, I've kind of been saying that. Um, and if the starting pitching doesn't do uh, what they need to do, I could see the bullpen, you know, uh, getting overworked and overused. But I don't think we're at that point now. And um, no, I, overall, I'm not worried about this bullpen. I'm not worried about the back end of the bullpen in particular. Um, I think we have uh, great, you know, uh, great back end pieces. So, um, yeah, no, I'm not worried. I think, you know, of course, Tate Bautista and uh, Jorge Lopez, I, you know, it's uh yeah i'm feeling really good about the three of them so okay yeah that's cool um yeah eli are you kind of on the same wavelength there yeah i agree i i'll take it even further than those three though i mean even you know all the way down to brian baker like baker had a couple tough outings like a couple weeks ago but since then he's been electric i've seen him flash 99 on the gun you know he he's looked good aiken had one rough outing, but has been dominant all season. Perez all season. I mean, it, yeah, I think the bullpen's electric. I think there is a stable core of like six, seven guys in there that can compete with any bullpen in the bigs. And uh, despite, you know, one week of struggles, I have absolutely no concerns whatsoever. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, talking about the overexposure and the overutilization of them as a unit, the uh, Orioles relievers have thrown 339 innings this year. That is the fourth most in baseball. Uh, the pitcher with the most innings out of the bullpen is Keegan Aiken, which is unsurprising, uh, with 49, followed by Jorge Lopez and Dylan Tate with 39 and a third each. Um, I think that this is kind of how Brandon Hyde manages the bullpen is going to be like the takeaway, a big takeaway from this season. Uh-oh, Jesse's got opinions. Do you want to talk? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I mean, can I? Okay. So, you know, I, I kind of sort of talked about this with Eli the other day, but there are enough situations where I just don't under now granted Brandon Hyde has a lot of weapons in the bullpen to work with. Mm -hmm. So, but there are enough times where I'm watching a game and I just don't understand some of the decision-making that is going on. Um, the clearest example is in my mind was when he put Nick Vespi in to replace Dylan Tate um, in that wild game against the uh, the, the Rangers. The Rangers, mm -hmm. yeah, right, right. Um, so you know Tate allowed two runners on, but he had two outs, and you know he put Vespi in, and then Vespi ended up giving up the the three run home run. Um, Wasn't it Corey and, Seager though? Huh. Yeah. Wasn't it Corey Seager? Yeah, 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 definitely. And it was. You don't it want was, to put a lefty in the face. Well, he Corey did. Seager. Well, I was gonna say he did it because it was a lefty-lefty matchup. But I mean, first of all, Tate is such a ground ball pitcher, right? Like he doesn't give up home runs like that. What? I, I mean, yeah. I, so I, I get the ground ball angle, but I yeah, mean, I, I mean, I just you know, Tate just put two runners on. He had faced like. I think he had come in the inning before too, if I remember right. I mean, he's been out no. there for a minute. I don't know. I, well, I, I liked it. I'm, <laughs> I'm looking at stats real quick. Corey Seager mm. has a better slugging percentage and OPS against lefties than he does righties. Mm. So like okay. reverse splits, at least this year, but interesting. Okay. I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, that was just one thing in particular that stood out. Like, I was upset when he did it at the time. And then, yeah, and there have been other situations, right? Like, you know, where I just don't understand some of the some of the, the thinking that goes into it. Now, granted, like, you know, I've been on Hyde for a while now. You know, I've had <laughs> problems with Hyde as a manager for, you know, for basically since he's been in Baltimore, don't you know? I, like don't don't get me wrong, but um, and, and you know also I think that obviously he has a role in some of the Orioles' recent success. Right, I can't take that away from him. Right, but yeah, there are still bullpen decisions that happen from time to time, 
where I really do get confused. Um, so, yeah. Well, yeah, and that's, I mean, I think, like, the Lopez situation is not that it's it's worked. I mean, it's one game that it's worked out. But if he had gone to Lopez again on Wednesday and it didn't work out again, you've now gone to a closer four times within a week. That has to be, like, what are we doing? Because prior to this year, Jorge Lopez was not a relief pitcher, or I guess yeah, last year he was for a little bit. And now we've doubled down on him and tripled down and quadrupled down on him. And now the Orioles could be a 500 team, but they're now they're instead five games under 500. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of a thing that I was, I was absolutely shocked that they put hope Jorge Lopez out there for the save situation yesterday. I did not expect that. Hmm. Um, just because they have so many options in that bullpen and right. you're like, let's go with the guy that's really struggling. Yeah. But you know I do I mean? think that just about everybody had thrown the night before. I think that was the larger factor there. Like, that was the reason we sent Vespi down to get Bo Solcer up there just in case, was just to have arms in the pen. Yeah, and that's fair. I'm not, like, even questioning uh, Hyde to the degree that Jesse is. I think in general, like, he's doing a good job. I think the fact that the bullpen is good is is both Elias getting him talent, them developing the talent, and then Hyde managing it a nice way. And also, I think Hyde has been part of bringing in a culture that is a lot more positive this year and in the last couple of years than it was in like 2018, the last Showalter Duquette year. So I credit Hyde for a lot of that stuff. Um, it's just like definitely one of those things I'll, I'll continue to watch as the season goes on because um, it's just like such a, a huge tool he has right now. And you want to see him like wield it in the best possible way. Um, but, but yeah, I think in general, this past week has been a little bit rough, but in general, I'm not worried about the bullpen either. There's so many weapons that they can mix and match that, um, still obviously a really uh, big strength of the team. Um, yeah, I, I, I was also just going to say, I when hear you breathing into the microphone. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, that you also mentioned the innings count, right, mm-hmm. uh, for each of the pitchers. And like Jorge Lopez, I he, what you said he was in second with somebody yeah. else. With Tate. And yeah. with Tate, right. And I mean, at this point in the season, 39 innings is fine you know like yes the bullpen overall collectively has thrown a lot of innings as you pointed out um but individually except maybe the person who was in first like they're all in a Aiken right which I'm not as worried you know about you know him uh but yeah 39 innings halfway through the season is fine for a bullpen pitcher um at least for the vast majority of them so um, even that is not much of a concern if you look at each of the pitchers individually and their pace yeah. for where they should be at. Yeah, no, I think that's that's totally fair. Um, okay, let's talk about the infield because I think this is an area that people are starting to focus on a little bit because, like we said, the Orioles are better than we thought. They're five games under 500. It's not out of the realm of possibility. They win a few of these games against Anaheim or Los Angeles this weekend. Uh, who is not a very good team. The Orioles could come out of this weekend very close to 500. And if you're looking for weaknesses that are easy to upgrade relatively, the infield, I think, is the focus there. Because currently, and as we record, they're playing a game with Jonathan Araus. How do I say the name, Eli? Araus. Araus. Jonathan Araus is starting. Um, Rugnet Odor has gotten a ton of playing time. People have started to hate on him a little bit, although I'll protect him. Uh, and Tyler Nevin does get a start here and there. None of them are playing particularly well, at least on a stat sheet. And then you got Jorge Mateo, who we talked at length about last episode, who continues to be awesome on the base paths and in the field, but had a 502 OPS in June and a 355 OPS so far in July, which is obviously um, an issue. Um, so meanwhile, Norfolk has Jonathan, um, not Jonathan, Jordan Westberg and Gunnar Henderson and Taryn Vavra arguably all three of them would upgrade the Orioles infield offensively. Um, So I don't know what to make of it. I'm not trying to rush prospects, particularly Henderson, who just, like you said, Eli just got named to the futures game is the number five overall prospect in baseball. Now, according to pipeline Um, that's huge, but how do we reckon with having an infield in Norfolk that is arguably better in the infield in Baltimore right now, Eli. 
I mean, to me, uh, yeah, I, I don't look at Westberg and Henderson because they did just get to AAA, but yeah, the Vavras of the world. I mean, even Ryland Bannon, you know, Richie Martin is still down there. Like these aren't necessarily superstar prospects, but Vavra has been hitting the ball incredibly well and can step in and immediately, you know, spell those guys at third base. Autos, I have no idea why he's on the team. <laughs> like, it genuinely just makes no sense. And right now, you know, particularly because Westberg and Henderson need that playing time, it's, like, too crowded down there. I mean, I think you need to make space mm-hmm. to get, the, you know, to get these guys playing at all. Um, and, yeah, I think one way to do that is to DFA Autos and um, bring up somebody and then – Odor is kind of like Tyler said he'll protect him. I will too. I do think yeah. that he's enough of a clubhouse presence. People absolutely love him to keep him around. And he's been huge in some moments. I don't mm-hmm. know why, but he just <laughs> loves being there in the ninth thing. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm cool with Odor, but I, we definitely like, I don't know, you just need to change something. Um, even if it's just getting Nevin more time, Nevin hasn't even been particularly successful. No. But just to kind of change it. Yeah. They so said I mean, Nevin, like, Nevin's gonna get a start this weekend because his dad is the Angels right. manager, which is like, I mean, like, come on, what are we doing? But uh they don't even have to designate anybody for assignment to bring Vavra up. He's already on the 40 man. Just that's right. That's right. I don't yeah. and I, I will say with Vavra, he was coming back from an injury. So there's some of that there. I know he doesn't have a ton of power. I know they've played him in the outfield a good amount this year too. So I think like in my brain, he's like a Ben Zobrist light where I think they maybe view him as more of a utility guy that could, could play like four, four or five times a week. He'll just give a day off to Hayes and left or a day off to Mullins and center and a day off to whoever's at second, you know, that kind of a thing. But even still like, bring him up and just give him a run in the team for a little while. If you think he can be that kind of a player. So yeah, I'm, I'm frustrated by that. Um, Jesse, do you have any thoughts on how the Orioles are handling uh, the infield situation with Eros and uh, Vavra in particular or anybody else at all? Yeah. I mean, kind of like uh, what both of you were saying, right. I'm fine with Odor on the team. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. Um yeah, I mean, the one thing is, right, I mean, what is kind of confusing to me is I don't get why Nevin is not getting the priority over Adarus yeah. at third, right? So, um, I mean, he's definitely a more intriguing, uh, you know, person to see, uh, player to see at this point. Um, and, right, obviously he's not doing well, but if we're not going to replace him with, you know, one of these other guys um, like Vavra, then uh which granted you know third might not be the best fit for vavra but um but uh if we're not gonna replace him uh with that then ha- i i don't understand how otto is getting really any playing time over nevin so that doesn't really make sense to me yeah that is a total oddity that i do not understand at all. Like I would even rather have Richie Martin up right now. I think than yeah, yeah. because Martin is like an elite runner. I I've liked what he does in the field this year more than like a couple years ago. I just, yeah, I would rather have Martin up. So I, I just don't Definitely. understand the, the Ari, Ari thing at all. But um, yeah. the other thing that I'll say is, you know, Arauz like kind of made sense when Urias went down and you were yeah. like, okay, we need an extra right. body. But, but he's back, right? Yeah, Odias is back now and has already stepped into a couple games. So what is he still doing here? <laughs> <laughs> he right. And uh, actually, I, you know, he'd been injured, so I hadn't even really thought of him, but I would definitely prefer him even over Nevin, right? So yeah. Yeah. For sure. I'm I'm you know, we're trying to if you're trying to think through like who could make an impact on the team long term, I, I I guess it would I Urias, I just kind of have always viewed him as a placeholder type of a guy who is just like going to be solid, like a one to two war kind of a guy for a couple of years here. And then we move on. But yeah, I, I just want to learn about players that could actually help the team long term. And I think Arrows, if you want to keep him in Norfolk and you have a guy that 
could play all the infield positions and, you know, kind of provide depth for the organization. I think there's total, there's value there in the player being around, but I just don't get it for the, the big league squad at all. Um, so, I mean, so what do we think is what's our like solution there is maybe like if we, if we were GM promote Vavra tomorrow, hold on with Henderson and Westberg. Is that kind of the thought? Yeah. Agreed. Well, definitely Henderson and Westberg. I would not be promoting. Yeah. I mean, they're just, they're playing extremely well. And there's now Henderson pipeline has him as the top infield prospect in all of baseball. Westberg is a college, was a college draft pick. Kind of, he's going to, Westberg, I think will be up sometime this year. Yeah, I definitely see Westberg uh, coming around later, but I, I do not think that right now, I mean, he's only been down there for a month or so. I think he's yeah. only played in like 15, 20 games. So yeah, I like, let him just well, get some time you're th- there. And what? you're thinking once the rosters expand, right? Um, I mean, they don't even expand by that much anymore. It's like two. It's people. just it's one. Two spots. Yeah, uh-huh. two spots. It goes up to twenty-eight. But I, I'd be okay oh, with yeah, sometime. In, I'd be okay with sometime in August. Um, I'm not necessarily dedicated to like when rosters expand. You know, I'd be fine with kicking him off, or you know, kicking off somebody like Odor. <laughs> later down I, I mean nothing against the guy but later you said on you were gonna year, protect him like tyler was i'm protecting him for now, now you're kicking him up, protecting right. him for now okay. but when it's okay. time for jordan westberg wow. a top 100 prospect to get some time in the major leagues it's time yeah. you know yeah i mean I, i've definitely come 180 on odor from i think it was preseason last year when there was like a rumor that the orders were like checking in on odor i was like i no. think we were all like no yeah, yeah, yeah. right but he's magic man He's mad. I, I will say I have not come 180. I've come like <laughs> 95 degrees. You know, I'm like okay. over the line, but That's definitely fair. not married to the dude. Look, I, I just am cool keeping keeping him around for this year. After this year, I I we move on, but yeah. I like him. I yeah. like him for this this moment. Um, all right, let's wrap up by just talking about Adley Rutschman, just because it's been he's no longer a prospect. Uh, he is now like a full-fledged major league baseball player. Actually, moments before we started talking this segment, he hit a home run. I know. Uh, and <laughs> it's it's his first home run at Camden Yards. Oh, nice. That was exactly what I was gonna say. Wow. I, I'm, I'm can I also just say I'm glad that none of us on the podcast panicked about him. Like why that, would we do know, that? Yeah. No, you know, all the announcers were urging us and telling us, hey, don't panic about this guy. Nobody in the clubhouse is worried. It's you know, in my mind, it's like, of course, like, <laughs> right, like, yeah, he's hitting 150 or 200, whatever his first, you know, week or two in the majors. Nobody was panicked, nobody yeah. was even like thinking along those lines, but they well, were like, well, plenty of worried. people on Twitter were. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. I it just, mm. and you know, the thing with him is that and they've talked about this forever is that yes, he's a very good hitter. I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, if he was, if he was an outfielder and had the offensive profile, he does, he'd be like a top 25 prospect, but it's because he has that offensive profile and he's an elite defender behind the plate. He was the number one overall prospect. So that's the thing is like, he had a slump not that long ago. That was pretty bad. It was like 18 or 19 at bats, I think without a hit or something like that. But the dude is really good behind the plate. He's like a top 10 pop time guy behind the plate. He's framing pitches great. Like, he's just – he's awesome. He's awesome. I, I have, like – there's nothing else to really say. He's not going to win Rookie of the Year because Julio Rodriguez is going to run away with that. But, like, he's amazing. That's it. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> I, the dude has really been incredible. And it, it was – we had this conversation on our last episode. We talked about, you know, how impressed we were that he was, like, keeping the nice patient approach and – the balls that he's seeing all these pitches just have more action on them. So it's going to take a while for him to figure out how to actually get the barrel to it, you know, get on plane with all this stuff, but he's starting to do it. You know, he like is an innately talented human being. And over the last month or so, he's been, you know, arguably the best hitting catcher in the game. Yeah. I mean, in June, he ended up having an OPS of 775 with three home runs, 10 doubles. He was in like a double every night for a while there. That was awesome. Um, So yeah, like these are not, these numbers are not like insane, but he's playing catcher, which is arguably the most physically demanding position in the sport. He's learning how to play at the major league level. 
like all these things together and he's still productive and he's an above average player. He's really good and he's going to be really good for a long time. And yeah, I mean, we might not have breakout numbers this year, but I'm sure next year he'll be, he'll hit the ground running. Um, and that's very exciting. Um, Jesse, any other Adley thoughts? No, I mean, just co-signing what you all said. He's great. Cool. Um, all right, cool. I think that's all we've got for this episode. Um, we are, as we talked about last episode, we are changing things up a little bit for our time. We're recording episodes closer together uh, and then releasing them farther apart. Um, so sometimes the content will be a little bit off, but we'll try to mention that when we do. Uh, as I said, we're recording this on the 7th and we're also going to be recording in just a moment our next episode, which you'll hear in about a week's time from this one. Um, uh, what you can do to support the show is give us a follow over on Twitter at The Warehouse Pod. You can also subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, you can also go to substack.com, thewarehousepod.substack.com. You can subscribe to us there and we'll get you, uh, we'll be sent to your email inbox instead of a podcast app. So try that out. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Oh yeah, also like and review us if you can. Give us a positive review on Spotify. I got, I went to a wedding uh, like a month ago and I got a guy to review us five stars uh, on the spot there. So that's Great, what we do. Tyler. Doing your job. By gunpoint. I was forcing him to do so. <laughs> the grind never stops. Absolutely not. It was actually pretty incidental. He was really being very nice. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is us on Spotify. And he's like, oh, cool. Five stars. So, <laughs> yeah. Love it. Um, yeah, I think that's about all we've got, guys. Anything we all want to plug before we wrap up? No? Let's get cool. out of here. All right. Yeah. Thank you all so much for listening to the epi this episode of the Warehouse Podcast. Until next time, I'm Tyler. I'm Jesse. And I'm Eli. We'll see you next time. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.